Um, today, our pastors are um, away on uh, vacation, and we have a guest speaker today, so we're so excited. This is a, um, Jordan Kenneth Tracy. Um, he is from City um, Gateway City Church in South San Jose, so he's going to be sharing God's word. He, uh, Him and his wife, April, are the youth ministry directors at Gateway, and they have a beautiful little five-year-old, Chloe, so she is doing well. She started kindergarten, so I'm excited. I've, um, I met Jordan a couple of years ago at a conference that we went to, and we had dinner together and talking about his kids and his family, and then um, I saw him. We were at a conference, and he saw a little one running around. It's kind of fun uh, watching little ones grow up in the house of God, and we have a few of those here, too, through the years that we've seen as well, so it's, it's exciting. He's a, a great teacher and encourager, um, a leader, and so I'm just excited to have him here and, and hear what God's going to give him in the word for us today. So come on up, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Am I going up here? Okay. Good morning. Hillside. How you guys doing? Man, that was good worship. You guys get down. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. I've been here once before, and I'm so happy to be back. Uh, first, first, I just have to say that I absolutely love your pastors. Uh, they're in Hawaii right now doing God's work. Those people need Jesus too. So someone's got to do it. It's tough. But yeah, pastors Bruce and Dory, they're just incredible people. You guys, you guys have amazing leaders. Um, one thing that I'll say about Bruce and Dory and, and the whole team is, uh, you know, like they just make me feel like family. Your leaders are so good at making people feel like family. I felt like as soon as I... As I met your leadership team, we were at that, at that conference. Um, even though I just met them, I felt like I knew them for, for years. Pastor Bruce and Dory and JJ and Andrea. And uh, I also met Bruce number two. Is that ever uh, confusing? Bruce number two? Is that okay if I call? I don't want, I don't, I shouldn't call you Bruce number two. Uh, Bruce, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bruce. That's good. Bruce G. Um, does Bruce G ever, like, when he's trying to get something done, say, like, yeah, we need to do this? Uh, Bruce says it's okay. <laughs> There's a trick for you right there. Right there. Bruce said it's fine. <laughs> Which Bruce said it's fine? And I feel like I actually feel felt something from uh, from the moment that I that I walked on this campus um, and I'm not just so you know I, I'm really not one of those guys if you know me at all I'm not one of those guys that says you know thus saith the Lord a lot I, I I don't you know I'm not like a like a, a spiritual hippie um, by the way, this isn't my church, so I get to just say whatever, <laughs> and then head on, head on up 101. Um, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. 
But man, I'll tell you what, I, I walked in here and I walked to the, uh, it was like a team prayer. And this, this doesn't happen to, to me often. Uh, of course, I feel the presence of God all the time. And, and, um, but uh, so as, as the team was praying for me, I felt the presence of God. And, um, and I, I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but I actually, I started laughing a little bit. And, and I like, there was a chair next to me and I grabbed hold of the chair because when you guys were praying, I felt my legs get weak. And I started laughing because it's like, oh shoot, is, am I going to like, you know, <laughs> am I going to like fall over? So anyways, uh, this is a presence church. This is a presence church. I also felt like during worship, um, I just had a real strong sense that like multimedia here was going to blow up. I feel like I feel like something big is coming for Hillside. I feel like it's I feel like it's about to to hit a breakthrough point. That's what I think. And not just for this church, but I feel like for you guys individually that there's something there's something that's about to happen. And, and that actually goes in line with uh, the message that I have for you today. I think that, that this is a prophetic message for this people right here. And uh, the title of the message today is, Don't Give Up, Take More Ground. Don't Give Up, Take More Ground. Let me tell you guys a, a quick story. Um, I went to high school with this group of guys. I was... I was uh, in high, I was actually going to high school in Morgan Hill. I graduated from Live Oak in Morgan Hill. And uh, for my entire life, I had this best friend, Caesar. He and I were like totally inseparable, and we were going to the same school, and uh, we, were, we were going to Valley Christian in, in San Jose. And then around ninth grade, I, I switched schools, and he stayed. And uh, so for about a year... Just whatever the reason, we, we separated and we, we lost touch a little bit. Um, and we just weren't keeping up with each other that much. You know, in ninth grade, you're like 14 or 15, and you just don't have a whole lot of control over your life. You know what I mean? Kind of whoever's right there, that, that's who you're going to be with a little bit. And then, in like the middle of 10th grade, I heard that Caesar was going to be transferring over to Live Oak. So I was, I was conflicted a little bit. I was both excited and also, you know, also like, oh, man, you know, I, I kind of built my own thing here. And, and uh, he, so, so sure enough, he showed up. I saw him one day. And, man, he just went through this, this kind of, this kind of like uh, low, low time in his life. And, uh, you know, he was, he was just kind of in a, in a darker place. So I was trying to reconnect with him, and he was, you know, connecting with, with some of the other kind of like dark people at school, and they were nice enough, but, you know, they didn't know the Lord, and, and uh, they had like this thing that they did every single weekend. And because I was best friends with Caesar, I would, I would kind of hang out with them sometimes, and, and uh, I remember we went over to this other guy that's kind of in that friend group, Rick was his name. We went over to Rick's house on the weekend, and this is something they did every single weekend. It wasn't even a question. What are we going to do? We already know. They went to Rick's house, and for some reason, 
Rick's parents, and you know, when you're, again, when you're a teenager, you don't really like question, question what's going on or think too deep into things, but Rick's parents were never around. They were always out of town or they just weren't there. And thinking back on it, remembering, I can remember like walking into Rick's house going like, oh man, it's so dark in here. And, and, and I didn't think about it at the moment, but, but yeah, it just wasn't like, wasn't like really kept up that great and all that. So anyways, we wouldn't hang out in Rick's house. They would go in Rick's garage. And the big thing when I was in high school was smoking hookah. Hookah. I don't know if you guys ever, not me, not me. Um, no, no, no. Uh, but what they would do is they would set up this hookah and they would sit around the hookah and they would pass around the same. And I always, you know, I'm not going to suck on something that, you know, five other guys. Uh, and they would drink Goldschlagers. No one in here knows what Goldschlagers is, I'm sure. And Caesar would be in the corner playing his acoustic guitar and they'd be kind of sitting around telling dumb jokes and, and uh, you know, Rick, Rick like worked at Blockbuster, um, you know, for those of you that remember Blockbuster. And, uh, and I don't know, I just got the feeling, I just got the feeling that, man, I, I don't really like it here. I don't really want to be here. So anyways, I kind of backed away from that thing. I, I stayed friends with all of them. Graduated high school, after high school, lost touch, um, and I was still in touch with Caesar. But then like five years later, five years later, I remember I was, I was uh, talking to, to Caesar, and, and uh, he shared with me that he, that he had run into Rick and the guys. And Rick and the guys said to him, hey man, you know what we should do? We should get everyone together and like go do something, go get dinner or something. And, uh, and, and they said, Caesar, can you reach out to Jordan? See, see if he's down to come. So Caesar reached out to me. Hey, I, I ran to the guys and they want to get together. And so I was like, oh yeah, that, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll see some of the old guys from high school. That'll be nice. Go out to dinner with them, catch up with them on their life, see what they're doing. And, um, and so Caesar said, great, you know, he texted me back a couple days later. He said, this Friday, 7 o'clock, we're going to meet at Rick's house. And uh, I, didn't even th- I didn't even think about it. I just thought, great, we'll meet at Rick's house, and from Rick's house, we'll go somewhere. So I pull up to Rick's house, same house, and I'm excited. I even see a couple of the same cars, you know. Uh, so I get out. I walk up to, to Rick's front door, and, and uh, I just wait. I'm pumped for tonight, you know, and after a little while, there's no, you know, no answer, and uh, nothing, so I go, oh no, I look over at the garage, (laughs) I go, okay, maybe they're in the garage, so I'll just go around, so I walk around to the side door, and I open up the door, and sure enough, there's Rick and Derek all the guys, and what are they doing? They're sitting in a circle. They're smoking hookah. They're drinking Goldschlagers. I look over to the side. Caesar's in the corner playing his acoustic guitar. They're telling the same dumb jokes, talking about the same stuff. So I sit, and, um, and I found out that it wasn't like 
Caesar randomly ran into the guys and they're like, hey, we should get together. I found out that they had still been doing that every weekend, meeting up at Rick's house, sitting in the garage, smoking hookah, drinking Goldschlagers, talking about the same stuff for like the last six years. So I sat down, I started started kind of catching up with them and and uh, you know, so Rick, what are you doing right now? He's like, well, I'm working at Blockbuster. And n- not that there's anything wrong with working at Blockbuster. I mean, no, nobody here works at Blockbuster because they don't exist anymore. Um, and yeah, I went to, went to college for like, a, for like a half a semester and then I dropped out and I went down the line and like everybody dropped out of school. Everybody, you know, no, nobody really had like a job. They had just been in the same spot they hadn't taken any more ground in their lives they hadn't moved forward not that there's anything wrong with any of those things but there's something about moving forward in your life there's something about the things that we did when we were in high school can't be the same things that we're doing when we're in college. And the things that we did when we're in college, they can't be the same things that we're doing when we're out of college. And the same things that we struggled with last year, I don't want to struggle with the same things this year as I did last year. I don't want to have the same faith questions. I don't want to have the same doubts. I don't want to have the same chains wrapped around me this year as last year, this season as last season. You guys, you guys catch what I'm saying? Let me read to you guys real quick. Uh, this isn't up on the screen, but I just want to read uh, from Numbers, and I'll go Numbers 13, in case you have your Bibles. Numbers 13, 26 through 33. And just to set this up a little bit, this is, this is Moses sending spies into the land that God promised them. And he says, go... Go into this land. We're, we're all here, but, but we just want to scout it out a little bit. God said that, you know, he was going to give us that land, but, but he sent 12 spies, and uh, he said, go in for about a month, 40 days, and check it out. Check out, are the people strong there? Is it like cities? Do they have good soil? How, is, how does it look? What should we prepare ourselves for when we get there? So, so these spies go out, and they spend 40 days, and they scout the land, and they, and they pick up some, some fruit so they could bring it back, and they show. And, and, and finally, I think Moses is sitting there. He knows that today is the day that they get back, and I think probably, like, like a lot of people in the community knew, this is the day that the spies are going to get back, and they're going to tell us what we can expect. So Numbers 13, we pick up in verse 26. I'm going to go to 33. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. So, so there's strong people that are occupying that land and even all around 
even all around, there are enemies surrounding that space that, that God has promised us. And the Canaanites lived near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb, Caleb and Joshua, actually his name was Heshua, they were among the two spies. So Caleb silenced the people. So, so here are most of the spies coming back and saying like, man, you know, yeah, it, it is a good looking place. It does flow with milk and honey and there, are, there, there is good soil and, and, and there are cities and, and, it's, and, and it looks good. But, but man, like the people there are strong. There's a lot of opposition. There's even giants in the land. And, and I can imagine that as the spies are giving the report to Moses and, and the rest of the community is listening in, that they're probably feeling a little bit fearful. Because when you are the one that's sent, you kind of set the tone. You, if you're afraid, then everybody around you is going to be afraid. So, so people are starting to get worried. They're starting to get stirred up. And oh my goodness, like... Maybe doubt is creeping in. Maybe, maybe fear is creeping in. Maybe anxiety is building up a little bit. And what, well, what are we going to do? They haven't even gone yet, and this community is already becoming afraid. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. One of the spies said, guys, we should go. We should go right now. For we can certainly do it. For we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they are spread among the they spread among the Israelites a bad report. You ever get around somebody somebody like negative? And it just seems like their mission is to spread their negativity. Like you're trying to rally, you're trying to have faith, you're trying to like, to like listen to what God says and there's, there's just like negative Nancy over here and it's just like, why can't you just have faith? Why can't you just say yes? Why can't you just say God's going to help us? Why can't you just, you know, I, I don't know about you, but man, I need to be around people who have faith. I need people with me who know that God is for me. I need to be around people who say, we can certainly do it. We should go today. We should go today. They spread a bad report among the Israelites about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. You ever notice that people with bad reports, it doesn't even make sense what they're saying? Like, the land devours people. Also, the people are of great size. It's like, okay, so d does it devour people? Or are the people there strong? Are, are you saying that it's good? Are you saying that it's bad? Like, sometimes they don't know. They just want to be negative. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed... Like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Let me ask you a question. For each one of you individually, just think about this. 
Are you someone who, who gives up when you see giants in front of you? Do you defeat yourself before the battle even starts? When you see opposition in front of you, when you see something hard coming, when there's, when there's hard work in front of you, when there's, when there's reason to fear, when there's doubt, when there's a bad report, when there's a bad diagnosis, when there's a bad report in the family, when there's a bad report on your bank statement, when there's a bad report the people at work are getting laid off, do, are you one of those people who will automatically feel defeated? And you just say, I, I should probably just give up now. I should probably throw in the towel now. Are you someone who just automatically gives in to fear, gives in to discouragement? Someone who, who says, well, I should probably... I know so many people, especially in the Bay Area, who before they even like graduate college, they're already thinking about how they can leave the Bay Area because I know I'm not going to be able to live here. I know I can't even afford it here. It's like, you haven't even tried yet. You haven't even... Did you ask God where you're called? Did you ask God if you're called here? Did you ask God if you're called to the Bay Area, to this city, to this church, to this people? When you see that person in your family who doesn't know the Lord and they're just like annoying and they, they're super negative all the time and they, they're like that one relative that's constantly like calling themselves an atheist and like, you know, do you look at them and say, well, oh well, I guess that's a lost cause. Do you allow yourself to be defeated even before the battle starts. The Israelites, they didn't even go into the promised land yet. And they were already defeated in their minds. Second Chronicles 15, 7 says this, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. God has not called you to live defeated. God has called you to live in victory. God has called you to take more ground. And the word of the Lord for someone in this room is do not give up. You've been trying and working and, and hand to the plow for so long and you've been, you've been feeling like throwing in the towel. Do not give up. If God has called you to a thing, you stay. Don't even, and by don't give up, I don't mean just stay where you're at. I mean keep moving forward. Keep taking more ground. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't let the circumstances around you determine what you're going to do. God never told us to look at the circumstances around us. The only thing that matters is, God, if you have called me to go, and if you are with me when I go, then I will move forward. Then I will stay. 
I will stay on the wall. I will go where you have called me to go. Let me give you guys just a couple of quick thoughts. If we're not called to be defeated, let me give you guys a couple of quick thoughts about keeping yourself from being defeated. How do you keep yourself from being defeated? Because this is all great. This is all, you know, I'm sure that faith is rising. And, you know, but, but after we leave this building, what are the practical things that we need to, to be careful about and look out for? And there's a ton of things. There's a ton of things. But let me just give you like three of them real quick. Number one thought about keeping yourself from being defeated. Your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook on your situation. How do you see the situation around you? Do you see it through, through faith? Are you just someone who, who every day puts on the garment of praise? Or, or do you just kind of let whatever emotion comes into your mind at the moment rule what you're going to do? Your outlook on your situation. Verse 31 of that, of that 13th chapter says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. The land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people there are of great size. So how do you see, this is too big, this is too hard, this is too much work, this is, th- this, this is too much for me, your outlook on your situation. Also, your outlook on yourself determines your outcome. How do you see yourself? How you see yourself is going to determine your ability to walk into the promise of God. The spies said, we are like grasshoppers. In our own eyes, they saw themselves as so small. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see what the culture tells you to see? Do you see what your insecurities tell you? If you're like me, probably the first thing that you see when you look into the mirror is whatever you don't like about yourself. Whatever you don't like about yourself. Isn't that interesting? How that's like the first thing that we see. What if we could look in the mirror and see ourselves the way that God sees us? See the things that God has put on the inside of us. See the things that God has called us to be. Because, man, you are not what you, look, what you see in the mirror. You are lions. You are children of the Most High God. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are not worthless You are God's child. And if God has called you to a thing, it's because He's given you everything that you need to carry out that calling. He's put it all on the inside of us. We have what we need. As a man thinks, so is he. How you look at yourself determines the outcome. You know, I was, when I was in like elementary school, I was, a pretty, I was a pretty cocky young kid. But I wasn't cocky because of me. I was cocky because um, my big brother also went to that school. So I walked around like, you know, knowing who my brother was. 
And I mean, that was a little bit misplaced, but I, I kind of feel like God put that on the inside of me, not to, not to be confident in my big brother, but I think he put that on the inside of me because he doesn't want me to walk around being confident in myself. He wants me to walk around being confident in who my God is. Do you remember when you get that bad diagnosis? Do you remember when you look at your bank account and your car is breaking down? Do you remember who's walking with you? we got to remember that God is with us. And then, of course, how we talk to ourselves matters. Because we see our situation, we see ourselves, and then out of that we start talking to ourselves. Some of us are talking our way out of our miracle just by letting defeat come out of our mouths. We need to learn to speak faith when we feel fear. Man, if you can, have you ever, have you ever trained yourself to when something bad happens? It's just like that's your reminder to praise God. That's your reminder to thank God for how good He is. Man, when I when I get a bad report, immediately the first thing that I do is I praise Jesus. God, you are good. God, you are powerful. God, you are able. God, you are with me. God, if you are for me, no one can stand against me. Speak faith when you feel discouraged. Speak faith when you feel fear. Even if you don't believe it. Even if you don't believe it. That's okay. God, I believe. Help me. With my disbelief. Because man, God just says you just need a little bit of faith to move that mountain. A little bit of faith. All right. Your outlook determines your outcome. Also, number two thing about uh, keeping yourself from being defeated. Be ready to be in the minority if you're going to live a life where you're not defeated. It's easier to live discouraged than it is to live positive. So most people will choose to be negative, discouraged, and defeated. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep walking when some people that you care about stay right there. I can't be a part of this conversation. I can't be a part of that, that little movement that you're trying to create. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a, a part of that influence that you're trying to build i'm gonna be that joshua i'm gonna be that caleb oh man i bet you it was tempting for joshua and caleb when the rest of the spies were talking their fear i bet you it was real tempting to be like all right well i'm just gonna no you gotta stand out from the crowd you gotta stand out from the crowd There's only two spies with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. And those were the spies that were named by God. And those were the spies that God said they will enter into the promised land. And and as we know, Joshua was actually the one that God chose to lead the people. And actually, because fear spread, because, because people decided to stay with the crowd, God said nobody here over the age of like 20 or 25 is going to enter the promised land. That's how powerful it is to stand out of the crowd. 
And that's how devastating it can be when you decide, when everyone around you is being negative, when everyone around you is leaving, when everyone around you is filled with fear. It's so devastating to just go, okay, I'm just going to... Because those people didn't get to enter the promised land. Okay, last thought. If you're going to live a life where you don't allow yourself to be defeated, you have to really know God to stay encouraged. Let me ask you, do, do you have your own relationship with Jesus? Do you really know him? Do you really know him? Because the Sunday, the Sunday Christian thing, that's fine. If that's where you are in your journey, I, you know, there's no judgment. You're totally welcome. And you do not have to believe to belong. But that will only get you so far. God is calling you to a deeper understanding of who God is. In Numbers 14, it says, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. See, Joshua and Caleb, they knew who their God was. They knew who their God was. If you live, let me just, I think this is going to pierce some, some, some hearts right here. If you live your life with a negative mindset, I'm not saying like every once in a while you have a negative thought. Everyone has negative thoughts. Everyone has discouraged thoughts. Everyone feels defeated at times. But if you live your life in a negative mindset, constantly just in defeat, then you probably don't really know who God is. Oof, it's quiet in here. And again, that's not to condemn. That's to shake you. That's to let you know that if you live in fear, you got to get closer to God. We all, every once in a while, need to check our understanding of God. Because, man, sometimes the enemy will get in with lies, and he'll get in with fear, and it'll just be like a really slow drift. It'll just be a really slow drift. So, of course, like I mentioned, the end of that story is that those ten spies... They never got to go into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua did. Isn't that interesting? It's not like they did something crazy. It's not like they stole something. It's not like they they didn't kill anybody. They didn't. They just believed their fear. Your outlook determines your outcome. It does. So much of so much of your life is just determined. Just determined by what you see in front of you. Not that not that some people look in front of them and see no giants. No. Caleb and Joshua, they were very aware of the giants. They saw the same thing. They saw the same thing. Every single one of us has giants that we have to face. But what do you see when you see those giants? Do you see those giants and think, 
What, what an awesome opportunity for my God to show how powerful he is. Or do you see those and go, well, the, the very fact that there are giants there must mean that God isn't with me. No, not true. Isn't that interesting that God had promised the Israelites a land that was already occupied? Why did he do that? Why didn't he send them into, a, into like an open field somewhere where there was no opposition? It's because the promise comes with a price. The promise comes with a price. If you just get something without any opposition, then you don't give glory to God for it. God wants to show himself so real in your life that he will send you to where there are giants. I'm going to send you to the giants. Wow, isn't that like a totally wild thought? So, so many of us pray so often like, God, just let this be a smooth... <laughs> God, don't let this be, you know, let this job be the one that is just like super easy for me. And God says, no, you're not praying the right thing. I'm going to send you to the giants.